If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Gets off the Taylor. He's in. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Fires that way. Picked off. Darius Leonard at the five-yard line. Plants in the pocket. The Colts bring him down. A sack for Indianapolis. Steps up in the end zone. He throws. Michael Pittman. Touchdown. Let's get the podcast started. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Colts official podcast presented by our friends at winbet.com. Winbet.com, do what you do. Check them out. My name is Jeffrey Gorman. I am joined by Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. J.J. Stankovitz is here from Colts.com, and Latte Lara Overton is here. <laughs> latte. She Lara has got Overton. her latte going here, and we are going to put a, this 2022 Colts season to bed. We're looking forward to the offseason dramatically, the upcoming draft. We'll get into all that. We're going to recap what some players had to say in the locker room on clean-out day. We're going to discuss Jeff Saturday's comments as he addressed the media as the interim head coach of the Colts. We're also going to hear what Chris Ballard said. We've been waiting on this one. He spoke earlier today uh, at his end-of-the-season press conference, and everybody was there who's in this room. And I want to start there. Colts finishing 4-12-1 after falling to the Texans 32-31. Worst season since 2017. Seven-game losing streak. I can go on and on about this, but I want to get right to really quick what Chris Ballard said. His initial his initial comment walking to the podium to the microphone. I want to get on that. We're going to get to what the player said as well as Jeff Saturday. But, guys, he came up there, Lara, let me start with you, and said, I have failed. Look, I have failed. That was the first words yeah. out of his mouth. I have not heard a press conference like that, NFL derived at least, for some time. Absolutely. He, I thought he was incredibly candid and open and as transparent as you possibly can be because you want to discuss and be forthcoming, but also there are certain things that as you're going into this process, navigating the head coaching search and preparing for the draft, there are certain things you have to keep close to the vest. But I thought that Chris really embraced and took ownership of the flaws that were part of the season going the direction that he did and some of the miscues and misdirection, things that he feels that should have been addressed in a different way, especially in regards to the offensive production this season. But he took it all on his shoulders. Sure he did. Yeah, and and I thought that struck the right tone um, of, you know, he, he found that balance of I'm taking accountability for all of this and that's where I'm opening it, but I'm not expressing that I've lost confidence in myself, in the front office, the people who are on his staff, the talent evaluators on this team. He said there are probably some things that, you know, they might need to look at in terms of how he evaluates players and talent. He's always going to be a build-through-the-line guy. But he's looking at everything. And when you go 4-12-1, and that's that's what you have to do. That's the tone you have to strike. Um, and I thought he, he did a good job of – Handling the press conference, uh, it, one that was probably a pretty difficult one oh. to go through. We're going to hear from the Colts GM later. We're going to play some sound bites from the earlier press conference. I want to go back to Lara because we were all in the uh, locker room yesterday, all of us talking to some players, some that we'll see again at this address and some that we won't see again at this address. What was your takeaway from talking to the players yesterday, Elo? This is always such a difficult week because – 
regardless of guys' contract situations, when you finish a season in the fashion that you did, you know that this organization is going to do whatever it takes to get the pieces in place. And when you talk about the draft and the possibility of maybe you make some moves, maybe you move up, will it take the trading of players to get to that position potentially that you want to get to? So even though there are guys who aren't pending free agents, it's not as if they feel secure Mm -hmm. in this situation. And talking with those guys about what they take into the offseason and they basically said we we have to rely on what we've put out there and what we've done individually this season to stand on its own and the rest is out of our hands we've we've handled the season being what it was and we're all disappointed and we're all going to draw motivation from it so there was that and then there's looking around and then the veteran guys so many veteran guys who you have in this locker room trying to provide the right guidance to the young guys in a situation in a period of such great uncertainty with what their how they should attack their offseason how much they should look inward for motivation and look inward for how they can develop and how they can improve and you know let everything else handle itself you know let Chris uh, Ballard and let Jim Ursay handle the head coaching and, and the coordinator situation and let all of that unfold and then just come back into this building better than the way that you left it when everyone does get to back together in the spring. But I, it was interesting talking to DeForest Buckner because he has been someone who has been part of a trade situation and necessarily didn't see it coming sure. and just his offering his perspective to the rest of the guys in this locker room on letting things unfold and taking Taking time, And one of the biggest things, I think, in conversations with guys, both on camera and off camera, that all of them were looking forward to just taking time yeah. away. No one was going to rush to any sort of, you know, decisions moving forward or, you know, any sort of um, pontificating, yeah. you know, about what is to come. It was more so getting away, spending time with family and allowing one, your bodies to heal, but also your mind to rest because this was a not only a physically draining season as every NFL season is, this one was emotionally and mentally draining for the guys in that locker sure, room. Sure, they had to follow a lot of stuff. JJ, what did you take away from the locker room? Yeah, I think kind of the same thing about that mental break. Um, You know, like Lara said, at the end of every season, you need a physical break. You go through 20 games, three preseason games, 17 regular season games. That's a lot on your body. But for when you think about what this team went through with all the quarterback changes, with an offensive coordinator being let go, with a head coach being let go, um, you know, losing seven straight to end the season, losing some games in historic fashion to end the season, that all really wears on you mentally and you know, Matt Ryan said, you know, after every season, you really do kind of need to get away for a little bit before you start thinking about what's next. Because, you, I mean, you have to allow yourself a chance to recharge. Um, but, you know, no one in that locker room, I mean, everyone in that locker room was, was still mad about the season. I mean, there, it's not like guys are like, oh, well, you know, it's fine now. Like, I mean, I mean even after the game on Sunday, uh, DeForest Buckner is, is there just being like, I'm pissed. We lost. We had a losing record. You know, um, you know, talking to some other guys, just even, you know, like talking to Kenny Moore II, who, who told me that he, he wished he could have had one more game this year. You know, one more game to go out there in Lucas Oil Stadium. He wished he could have had an interception this year. He said it's crazy at the end of an interception. Like, you know, th- those are some big takeaways. And then the other one uh, was hearing from Shaquille Leonard. Mm-hmm. That was maybe the most encouraging conversation we had in the locker room yesterday. Shaquille said that the second procedure he got which came after 
uh, some really remarkable circumstances, the, the kind of backstory of it. So it was the first practice that Jeff Saturday had as the interim head coach, Shaquille said he felt something that wasn't right. And Jeff Saturday, who had gone through a nerve issue in his career, it was involving his hands, said, bro, you got to shut it down. Go get an MRI. He gets an MRI. They see something. Got to have a second surgery. Mm -hmm. But since then, Shaquille has said he's felt significant progress in his leg. He wasn't able to feel anything in his leg. He couldn't even do a calf raise. He's He's now on the right track toward not only just playing in 2023, but he said he, there is zero doubt in his mind he'll be the player that he has been in his career again next year. And also, he's not leaving town. He's invested in staying here and continuing to get the best possible treatment and advisement and supervision for the rehab. So, you know, often Good. he'll go back to South Carolina, not immediately, but relatively quickly. He's going to stick around. He said, going to decide when to go back. But right now, his immediate focus and his commitment is on this rehab process <laughs> and getting all of the attention that he can. And he said he's taking receipts on social media for people. Always. A lot of screenshots, a lot of yeah. likes. Yep, <laughs> a lot of stuff like that. Mate, I spoke with EJ Speed yesterday. I spoke with Bobby O'Karake yesterday. I spoke with Paris Campbell yesterday. The reason I'm bringing those guys up are they don't know if they're going to be here next year. These guys are going into an offseason like they've never had before. Yep. All free agents, including EJ Speed, spot starter, but a lot of playing time. And O'Karake and Campbell, are those are full-time starters. And O'Karake and Campbell both had career years, specifically with Campbell, we all know the story. I mean, he came in here yesterday, joined us on Colts Roundtable Live. 17 games, uh, career high in catches, receiving yards. We know the story. I mean, he had more receiving yards this year than he did his first three years combined. So he's got no regrets. He's really sort of at peace with how his season went, and he's excited to see what his prospects are in free agency. But I'm just happy for, on a personal level for those couple of guys. Uh, but then you throw in Chase McLaughlin. He's another key free agent. And so – it's going to be a fascinating offseason. We've got a couple of weeks to, to hash out what we're going to do at, at the head coaching position. And, you know, I asked Ryan Kelly yesterday as well. I mean, this guy's seen it all. He's the longest tenured Colt. He's been here since 2016, which in NFL terms, that might as well be 12 years. Sure. But, I mean, you think about it, he's he's seen retirements. He's played with nine different quarterbacks, including three this year. I mean, he said this year was right up there in terms of, like, the most mentally taxing season with all the – change around him you know changing quarterbacks five different times this season so yeah I think everybody in the locker room yesterday was a mixture of mad disappointed you know sad that the season was over because you're going to see players come and go and you you don't know if you're going to see some of your teammates ever again within the locker room but I think also at the same time all of that just relieved you know, relieve that yeah. it's that it's over. For sure. And uh, now they can sort of change the narrative and progress towards getting better in 2023 in a really busy offseason, I think, for everybody individually. And, Lara, backing up on Paris Campbell, emotional in the locker room after the game. You know, that guy's putting in work, injury after injury after injury. If you get your first career with 17-game season under your arm as a young player, and mm-hmm. every right to be emotional. And like I said, this cat's good. When he's, when he's healthy, he shows, hey, he's got world-class speed and can separate. We had a fantastic conversation in the locker room. Paris is one of the last guys to leave on Sunday and we stood there and went for maybe eight minutes or so and could have gone three times that length with him but he admitted how emotional he was walking into the stadium on Sunday getting to his locker to get ready knowing it was that last game of the season and he had promised himself he was going to play all 17 games and he says that although it's of course been well documented well covered all of his injuries he said you know I've been through a lot and I don't want people to feel sorry for me but I have been through 
a lot. Mm -hmm. This meant so much to him, and he always knew if he could just be available, he could be this type of playmaker and have this type of impact on an offense. And he has meant so much to this team. And another thing that he told me, because I asked him about Zaire Franklin and the season that Zaire Mm -hmm. had as well, and he said that Zaire is one of those who lifted him up so much. He said that I wouldn't be where I am without Zaire reiterating the confidence in him and, you know, helping him go through this three years, three, four years, you know, that, that he has to get to this point. So he is someone who I think when you look at the impact that he has, it goes beyond those 17 games and the catches and the yards and touchdowns. I also think that he is such an important piece of what is a very young wide receiver room and how you're going to build this offense moving forward because he has experience, he has wisdom, he has leadership. I think he's a very important piece of that group moving forward. That's Lara Overton. J.J. Stankovitz is here, voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. We see we are going to hear from Chris Ballard a little bit later on going up, but Saturday, Jeff Saturday, spoke to the media on Monday, day after the final doggone Hail Mary loss to the Texans. And, uh, you know, he got up there and said, hey, you know, we I, I gave – this, everything I had, I had a half season to do it. I said, I just want to take away just the initial takeaways from all you guys before we hear from the head coach. Matt Taylor, start with you. Yeah, I mean, he obviously expressed his desire to be the head coach on a full-time basis, and, you know, we'll, we'll get into it. I mean, when you come in here in week nine mm-hmm. after the Colts fire their head coach and the season is not going well and you had just got swept by the Tennessee Titans and you changed quarterbacks a couple of times, you don't have a ton of time to implement your core philosophies. You don't have a ton of time to put in everything that you want to do. Plus, you're down a couple of assistant coaches on the offensive side of the ball. Whew. Sometimes you just have to just go in. I mean, especially with Jeff having never done this before at any level in terms of being a head coach, he's feeling it out just like the rest of the team is feeling him out in that role. So I think he was able to adapt and modify and adjust on a week-to-week basis. But he said pretty much that if he does get this job, he would do it completely different. He's going to make a lot of changes. He's going to build the culture in a different way. And I think that needs to be reset. I think that's part of the problem this year with this team. I think this team, in essence, lost some of its identity. I don't think the Colts really knew who they were in terms of preparation, schematically, certainly on Sunday, on offense. I think they just sort of lost their way along the way. And I think it was good to hear Jeff's proclamation that if he does get this job, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to really put my stamp on it. And I don't know if he had enough time to do that in two months when he's got to get up to speed and on the fly and just put a game plan together and get these guys through practice and the meetings on a day-to-day basis getting ready for Sunday. A couple of things, you know, when the Colts made the decision to hire Jeff Saturday as the interim head coach, you know, there's the press conference with Jeff, with Mr. Ursay, and Chris Ballard. And in that press conference, it's hard to stay. It would have been hard to stand there and acknowledge how difficult this was going to be. Because if you're doing that, you're sending a message to the players in that locker room that, you know, next day games don't matter. So to, to say it after the season and then have, well, you said, you know, this and, and that, I get it. But also at the same time, you can't go up at that press conference in November and say, I can't change anything. This is going to be really hard. To say it now is valid. Hey, this was a tough spot. This was a really hard place to be when you're coming in. You know, Jeff has said it quite a bit, but when you when you get hired as an interim, it's because things didn't go very well. 
And, you know, Chris Ballard said it today that, you know, he expressed some reservations to Mr. Ursay that this is going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard on Jeff. And he told that to Jeff, too, what, you know, upon getting hired. But some of the things that the, the Colts appreciated about Jeff Saturday over the last eight games were how he continued to be positive, he held guys accountable, and he worked really hard at it. That's something we heard from Chris Ballard today. And if you're Jeff Saturday, you're saying, hey, I now know from the last eight, nine weeks, I now know exactly where I can make the greatest impact in changing some things with this organization. And he did get the locker room. Some of the veterans got behind him, Ryan Kelly included, DeForest right. Buckner, that did endorse endorse Jeff Saturday. And he also said that I would be a CEO-type head coach. Mm-hmm. You know, I would come in here and I would have – I would oversee the entire delegate locker room. I would right. delegate a lot, but I'm gonna I'm gonna basically oversee this thing, and I'm gonna hire, you know, world class, hopefully, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, special teams coordinators, to to implement the schemes. But really, got to build this culture and and have to do a better job of having people on a day to day to day basis be more accountable and and hold themselves to a higher standard. Here's Coach Jeff Saturday on there being significant changes at the Colts with the Colts rather if he gets the job on a permanent basis. If if I get this job, there's going to be significant change. You know, the way I do things is not the way things um, you know necessarily have been done. I have my own way, and so I, I think that's the part that you know as you're as you're thinking about the way you want to run an organization as the head coach. That's that would be my responsibility. You know. When I came in, I'm thrust into how things have been done, you know, for the past however many years. And I'm appreciative of that and, and the work that they've done and the success that they've had. Uh, but it will look different. And so, you know, understanding that that's, that's been part of my learning lesson, chap, right, is I've, I've looked at the things that I really like about what we do and the things that I don't necessarily like that we do. And, and there has to be, uh, you know, to, to lead an organization, there has to be alignment from all of us, from, from Mr. Ursa and Ballard and myself and and the entire organization of how this thing looks. And and as a leader, if you don't have that, um, I I don't think you'd be effective. And so there are things that I would definitely do differently. And I think that's expected no matter if it's me or somebody else, right? There's going to be change. Um, And so when I look at that, again, I assign the last eight weeks as incredible value that I can can learn what I I want to do and what I don't want to do and how to make those changes. And I think it gives me a very unique perspective um, that, that hopefully I can use uh, you know, to better the team, better the organization. J.J., how much of what we saw in the Colts' last eight games under Saturday is truly representative of his, of his personality and his philosophy head coaching? I mean, you would hope none of it because <laughs> the Colts went one and seven. And right. it, it, it really does seem like, you know, he, he, he knew this was going to be difficult, but you, you can't really change – how things are done until the off season. You get everyone back in for the off season program in the start of April. That's when you start making changes. And you know the Colts lost some games that were were not good. I mean the the Dallas game, giving up thirty three points in the fourth quarter, giving up the largest lead in NFL history in Minnesota. Um, you know, really not being competitive yeah. against the Chargers and the Giants. These are not games that I, I think anyone is proud of, but. I think you also have to acknowledge the situation that Jeff Saturday got put into of being one that was very difficult. And, you know, Chris Ballard got asked on Tuesday, what made this situation different than Carolina, where Steve Wilkes came in as the interim and he was successful there, that he, you know, they won some games. Or last year with the Raiders, where Rich Bisaccia took that team to the playoffs, and Mm -hmm. Ballard said, frankly, 
They had better teams. Wow. And and that I thought that was a that was Chris taking the responsibility on himself in that moment of well. I just I didn't build a good enough team yeah. for an interim coach to even come in and have a shot at success. That's what makes it hard because I think on one hand you come in and Jeff Saturday seemingly is playing with like nines and tens and a bunch of different suits. If you're playing a game of euchre, right? He comes in, he's down. I was going to say I had no idea what this reference was. <laughs> yeah. so I was like, That's very Midwestern of me, but yeah, JJ's right. I mean, I, it's really hard to assess the job that Jeff Saturday did and the potential that he could be in that role because of the extraordinary losses that the Colts had. I mean, the second half in Minnesota, the fourth quarter in Dallas, you lose on Sunday, you collapse against the worst team in in football against the Houston Texans. The Colts are outscored by 87 points uh, while Jeff Saturday is the interim head coach. And so I I go back to what I said earlier. I, I think ever since Christmas night last year against the Cardinals, the Colts have lost their way. Somehow, some way, they've gotten off track, and they got to figure that out. I mean, in, in that time, they're 4-14-1. So something is off here. Something's off, and I think Jim Ursay and Chris Ballard and whomever the head coach is, they, they've got to fix that first and foremost. You have to fix the foundation of this team before you can get into X's and O's and schematics and draft picks. you got to fix that part of it first before you can have visions of going 12-5 and five and winning the AFC South for the first time in a long time. Maytay, to that point, one of Chris's comments that I found really interesting was, our competitive confidence we lost. When it got hard in the game, those are the times we'd melt down. And I would love to hear how Jeff would address that because I think that speaks to exactly what you said over you know 12 months or so, how that did spiral and how that did really unravel following the Christmas night win at Arizona. So you wonder how those are how those are things that he would address and how he would go about addressing those because Chris Ballard said, I'm excited to see what his vision is because he has had an opportunity to have an examination. Although he knows this building and the organization, the coaches and the players so very well, this is an in-depth analysis of it and how he is going to use that to implement moving forward and address some of those situations, address some of the needs that there are in working with the front office throughout the draft process and throughout the free agency. But another comment from Chris that I think you take into account when you are looking at Jeff's eight-game stretch, Chris addressed in when uh, when he was asked about Matt Ryan, he addressed the struggles at the offensive line to get continuity, and he probably underestimated that early on, and he said they never recovered from that. However, one thing I would say is it did seem like in the latter part of the season, whether it is just by the fact you had more time with those guys together or it is the influence of Jeff or a little bit of both, you did see some improved play by the offensive line toward the latter part of the season. So that's one thing I think is worth some greater evaluation. But but just real quick on that too, Chris Ballard did talk about the incident in New York with uh, Nick Foles and Kayvon Thibodeau, um, and he – Without openly criticizing the guys on the field, he did say that while, yes, our offensive line played better in the second half of the season, he also said some good things about Bernard Ryman and the way that he played in the second half of the season, that it still was not up to their standard. Uh, and, and the guys in that room, yeah. um, you know, like Quentin Nelson, after the game on Sunday, he took a lot of accountability for his play, and he said he knows exactly what he has to do this offseason to move forward. Um, you know, the, the guys in that room, I, I think, 
you know, would probably agree with that, that this season was not up to their standard. All right, here's Jeff Saturday on how tough it was to earn this team's trust coming in the middle of the season like he did. Uh, I don't think you can make a t- you know, listen, I don't think you can make a team in eight weeks. So, no, I mean, as far as I, I, I felt like from a leadership perspective, I had to earn their trust. I think I said that very early. I think I did that. I think I did a good job of earning their trust. I thought from a, from a perspective of where the areas that we felt like we could get better in, hey, let's attack this. I, I know to a man, I've met with a lot of players this morning, you know, the competition at practice, the way those guys have, have, have played. And, and again, you know, th- th- that's the area. And I know it sounds so cliche and everybody wants to write and make fun of it. But the way you practice ultimately is going to be the way that you play. Unfortunately, we haven't gotten from one side to the other, but that's how it works in the NFL, right? I've seen it work that way. And I know everybody else that sees it, that's the way it works. So um, when guys come in and say, man, the, the competition that we bred, the energy we bred, the relationships that we that we put together and fostered in this short time, that coach, I, I appreciate it. I benefited from it. That's the part where I felt like I could, I could make the most, um, you, you know, the most headway. And that's where I felt like I did. Almost his entire career playing in the NFL, Jeff Saturday had Howard Mudd as his position coach, who was never afraid to chew ass. And that's what I'm thinking that Saturday's doing because we've all seen it. We've all been out at practice where he's stopping plays right in the middle of them. His first time, two, first, yeah. first practice, First right? practice, stopping stuff in the middle of it, saying, hey, run it again, do it right, get up off of the ground, start hustling, let's be professionals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, saying, guys, start changing stuff around here. Did the players want to play for him? I mean, how long do you think that it took when they said, hey, we got a guy who's not in our, in our building who we've been watching on ESPN mm-hmm. and is now the head coach? I know at the end of the year, we heard it in the locker room yesterday, a lot of guys love Jeff Saturday, and a lot of guys say, yeah, we hope he's still here. But if you're a player at that time, did they really want to say, hey, are we going to play? And some of them not even knowing his history in the NFL. Right. I mean, I think if you listen to the guys yesterday, a lot of them would be on board for sure. that. I mean, Ryan Kelly said he would love to have Jeff back. DeForest Buckner said the same thing, uh, acknowledged all the leadership qualities that Jeff has, you know, the the traits to be a head coach. You know, you look at Shaquille Leonard on the defensive side of the ball really kind of coming in and holding guys to a different standard of excellence and demanding that you get it right, right? That old adage of perfect practice makes perfect play. Yeah, I think if, if Jeff Saturday is hired, he would have to come in, like I said, and sort of be that CEO, overseer of, of the roster, overseer of the team, and would definitely have to bring in top-notch coordinators and a top-notch staff around him to sell that idea to come back You know, to Chris Ballard and Jim Mersey. I do think you need both. I think you need a guy that can galvanize the locker room and then coaching really matters in this league. You know, we, we saw that. I mean, there's always a team that goes from worst to first in the NFL, and it's primarily done with coaching. The Jaguars, you look at the Giants this year, they've got top-notch coaching staffs. I think that's what the Colts are looking for here in this turnover between 22 and 23. And if they can marry the, the leadership of Jeff – and the tacticians of other great coaches and put it together scheme-wise, then I think you really have something. Well, if you go and you listen to what Chris Ballard said, and I know we'll get into it, um, but just about the coaching search and what he's looking for, something he was asked, which I thought was a really good question and a really good way to frame it, was you guys have the fourth overall pick. You're in range where you could go get a young quarterback. Do you need to hire an offensive-minded head coach to develop that quarterback? And what he said was it it doesn't matter what side of the ball you're on. You have to be able to win – with average to above average quarterback play in the NFL because there are only a handful of elite guys. You know, not every team has Patrick Mahomes coming down the pike. Peyton Manning is not walking through that door. You know, you hope he is, but he probably not 
walking through that door. So can you win? Can you develop a plan to win even if you don't have that elite of elite level of quarterback play? And, I, you know, he mentioned there are some teams around the league that have been doing that. I think you look at the New York Giants this year and what they've done, what Brian Dable has done with that roster. Yes, he's an offensive-minded head coach. No, he's not been calling the plays. You look around, you know, some some other teams that are not getting this, like, top level of quarterback play, but man, the San Francisco 49ers, yeah, yeah. the number two seed with Mr. Irrelevant is their quarterback. Yeah. I mean, there are teams that can do this, and yes, you want to find the elite quarterback. You want to find your Mahomes or your Burrow or your Allen. There's but, still a debate if Dak Prescott is an elite quarterback. Right, exactly. That's a conversation that you see, what, two, three times a week on ESPN? Uh, uh, more than that. Yeah. two, three times a day. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, like, you you have to be able to develop a whole a plan of winning for as an entire team. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Chris said he's going to be looking for in this coaching search is what's your plan to win? And, obviously, you know, who are your coordinators going to be, all that. But this is going to be a long process. It, it's not going to be a, all right, we got our guy in, you know, two weeks. This and is it something, should be. And it should be. It absolutely should be. And it's something that Chris said, if we need to wait until mid-February to go through the whole process, we will do that as long as we get the right guy. All right, here's Jeff Saturday on how far he thinks the Colts are to rebounding next season. Yeah, not nearly as far as y'all think. I've seen some articles here recently, so I can assure you a lot of shots fired, and uh, I don't think we're nearly as far off as you guys believe we are. I, I think the, the the line in football between winning and losing is, is very narrow, and uh, there's things that we have not done um, that I believe habits that are created in March and April and OTAs and preseason and, you know, early in the season, they pay dividends in November and December, right? Unfortunately, I didn't have that opportunity for those things, but those moments matter. And so when you talk about how do you change, and I think it was Zach or somebody asked me last night, hey, what can you pinpoint, right? Is, is There's been different situations when you've had the opportunity to close games and different phases haven't, and for whatever reason, it's the habits that are built then. What does a closeout look like when you're, when you're you're on the field and you're practicing and you're driving home the details of what that looks like. How do you get that accomplished? And I think I think that that can be taught, coached, and we can be better at it again. But I but I think the in totality is really where uh, you know the, the the most is made. Larry, you with Saturday? We far away? I think that he knows better than anyone else at this point. It, you know, like he said, like I, we're closer than what you guys think we are because, of course, everyone else is from the outside looking in, and mm-hmm. they don't have that introspective vantage point of being able to truly see not only where your strengths and your weaknesses are and, you know, either the glaring voids or those very obvious strengths that you can build around, he also is going to have the plan for how you attack those things. And if he says you're not that far away, okay, that means he would have a plan or he has a vision in working with Chris Ballard and that staff to address the areas in addition to implementing certain things within practice and within those different training periods, OTAs, minicamp, all of that. He has a vision for how you address those things. I I do think you look at, and and this is something that Chris talked about on Tuesday, there are great players that you have on this roster. However, the best players have to play better. 100%. Have to play Mm -hmm. to their potential. So I think that that's one reason that Jeff has optimism because there are, (laughs) there are, there is top tier talent on this roster, but has the top tier talent produced to a top tier level? Probably not. Yeah, they didn't this year. Yes. And you're also thinking about 
a guy who played 74 snaps on defense who's a three-time All-Pro right, right. and Shaquille Leonard, getting him back would mm-hmm. be quite a boost for this team, just overall, too. Absolutely right. Jeff Saturday, he's carving up his comments like a turkey dinner. Let's switch it over. Chris Ballard met with the media this morning at about 40 for about 40 minutes. At his end-of-season press conference, Chris opened up the press conference by describing why he thought he let the Colts organization down this season and why the Colts critics have an argument heading into the offseason. Here's Ballard on more games in the NFL that are lost than won, and the Colts lost a ton of games this year. The one thing you'll I mean, it's a fickle game, but, and I know people say it all the time, but like more games are lost than won. We lost them. Like you cannot be minus 13 in the turnover ratio and win. You can't do it. You can't be 32nd in the league in the red zone and win. And I think on defense, we either finished 30 or 31st in the red zone. Like those are key areas of the game that you have to perform to be able to win. There's a way to win every game. I've said this every year with whoever you have. I mean, the talent level in this league between teams, sure, there's going to be a few that have low, but it's it's not – I mean, it's not here and here. It's usually here and here. And I think you even look at the playoffs of teams that rebounded from a year ago that everybody said stunk, and now they're in the playoffs. But those teams that got in, they didn't, they didn't lose the game. Like, you didn't lose the game, and we lost the game. You can't turn the ball over. You have to execute in the red zone when you get those opportunities, and we didn't. You know, I, I found myself, Jeffrey, I found myself nodding along with Chris with what he had to say consistently today, but this was spot on. This was so spot on because this season, the definition of this season was self-infliction. It was oh your own God. mistakes. It was losing close games. It was not making enough plays, not being good enough in the fourth quarter. That's how you define this season. And Chris is so spot on. I mean, if you lead the NFL in turnovers, if you lead the NFL in picks, you lead the NFL in points allowed off of turnovers, when you're second to last in sacks allowed, you're not going to win games. <laughs> you know, you, and, you only won four. And the the other part of that, Mate, is, yeah, the, I mean, the Colts situationally were, you know, in that, that competitive confidence that Chris is talking about you know they went the Colts went four six and one mm-hmm. in one score games but that means they went zero and six in games that were decided by more than one score and you would say oh, they lost four games by at least 23 right. and that that to me is where the turnovers the lack of execution in the red zone right the the situational stuff and then the the lack of you know just the sloppiness with the ball that then showed up in losing 24 to nothing to the Jaguars right. 38 to 10 to the Giants 20 to 3 to the Chargers. I mean, that's where it showed up almost more than in some of those close one score games. You know, the, the loss to the, the right. Eagles or the Steelers. You know, you, you can't, if, if you get blown out as much as the Colts got blown out this year, then yeah, I mean, you, you do have to say all the things that Chris said, which was we, we were not good enough this year. It wasn't like you can say, oh, we were three or four plays away from being, you know, 9, 7, and 1 and being in the playoffs. Um, you can't say that. So you, you you have to look at those games again and just and and think that there is a ways to go. But the other thing that Chris Ballard said is that this team is not talent deficient, which kind of goes back to what we were just talking about off of what Jeff Saturday said. Right. This is not the cupboard is not bare. In 2017, when Chris Ballard took over, this team did have a talent deficiency, and 
this team right now does not have a talent deficiency, but they have to execute better and they have to play to the level that we have seen them play at over the last couple no, of years. That, that's exactly right. I mean, th- this is not a bad football team. This defense, the defense that the Colts had this year is not indicative of 4-12-1, and one, but mm-hmm. you are what your record says you are. And, yeah, situational football on both sides of the football, the Colts did not do a good job. I mean, when you're – like Chris said, when you're close to dead last on offense in the red zone, you're close to last in, in defense in the red zone. And then fourth quarter, too. I mean, fourth quarter, the second quarter and the fourth quarter, you work all week to to game plan. So the first quarter, you're sort of feeling your way out. Second quarter, most of those game plan tweaks have played themselves out. Then you're just playing football. Same thing at halftime, right? You go in at halftime, you make second half adjustments. By the fourth quarter, you're just playing football. And the best team is going to make more plays, and the Colts didn't do that. They were outscored by 63 points for the season in the fourth quarter, dead last, right? You you lost five games this year at home, three of them by one point. So they're close, but they're just not making uh, enough plays. So he's exactly right. The Colts lost, I thought, way more than their opponents won against them. But that's what this NFL, that's that's what this league is. Also, to be fair, these fourth quarter struggles didn't just start in 22. Mm-hmm. This is something that goes back prior to even this year, prior mm-hmm. to you know Jeff Saturday taking over. That has been a glaring issue for this team for a while and something that I am sure when they do have this post-mortem that Chris Ballard referenced, that will be something that will be heavily, heavily yeah. examined. The, the other thing, just to... To, you know, as you're looking at how this roster was constructed and, and something that Ballard talked about was that, you know, yes, he, he, he is always going to build through the lines. That is always going to be his philosophy. He said he could put that on my gravestone. But there are, I think it, it was interesting to hear him say he may reevaluate how he evaluates the talent around the lines. Right. Um, and I think you look around the league this year and, and you look at some of the lessons that maybe we've learned league-wide. And... You know the, the the one of them that comes to mind is you look at the teams that have that top level you know top five wide receiver in the NFL the Philadelphia Eagles AJ Brown they traded a first round pick for him they are the number one seed the Minnesota Vikings had a very weird season but they could always count on Justin Jefferson to go out and make some plays late in the year <laughs> two two hundred yards a game yeah you know and like come up with like unbelievable plays <laughs> right. in unbelievable moments the, and, the Miami and he did yeah the, the Miami Dolphins spent. A, a lot of resources on wide receiver with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, and they're in the playoffs. And you know, you know, their their situation is a little bit different, but uh, it, it does pay to have that top, top, top level wide receiver. Michael Pittman Jr. You know, is a very good player who Chris Ballard really likes. Talked about him today. You know, he, the the debate if he's a number one or not is you know sort of whatever, but. Um, you know, having that that like go to guy late in the season is is a lesson around the league. I think we've seen this. Year. Look at what Jacksonville's able to do when you give Trevor Lawrence weapons. Yeah, Christian and and, and better coach. Everyone yes. was laughing at that Christian Kirk contract, and he goes out. And he's probably the best wide receiver in the division this year. Right. Yeah, no, I, I don't know where Jeffrey went, but uh, <laughs> I think he, he Should got, we just pause? Should we just take a timeout? No, I think we have to plug on. I think we have to plug on. I mean, Jeffrey got summoned, but that, I was going to transition into another soundbite from, from Chris Ballard, J.J., but I think you transition into it nicely. When you talk about Chris today talked about his vision, his roster construction vision, and whether or not if that still holds up in the NFL and – you know, Chris has taken a lot of heat for this publicly, and and he's we all know he's been very prudent 
in free agency, right? He sticks to his value on players in terms of, of the financials on the open market. He's built the team, you know, primarily through the draft, and he's rewarded his own players with second contracts and things like that. But as you said, he's always going to stick to his guns and his principles and his core belief that you got to win up front. You have to win the trenches on both sides of the football. That's why he's drafted there. That's why he's developed there, and that's why he spent a lot of money on contracts to retain good football players along that offensive line. You know, he was honest today in saying that the offensive line did not produce like he thought it would this year because there were some uh, transition problems at the left tackle position and at right guard. You know, it wasn't as seamless as he thought it was going to be going from Eric Fisher to Matt Pryor. And then at the right guard position, Mark Glowinski to Danny Pinter. That's why they had to move Ryman and Will Fries to tackle and guard, respectively. And, and it's not a bad thought. I mean, you had three out of your five pieces along the offensive line not that long ago that led the NFL in fewest sacks allowed in 2018 with only 18. So it's not like he's he's projecting something that's too far-fetched. I, I, th- I just think it goes to show that a good plan on paper doesn't always work out like you want it to. And every GM would like to build their team with great offensive lines and great defensive lines. I mean, every GM's going to say that. I just think what happened here this year is that the Colts, unfortunately, did not have their top players play at a high level. I mean, name one player on offense this year that had a better year this year than they did last year. Paris Campbell. Outside, well, outside of him. I'm talking like your super- Larry and I were racing to the mics for that one. I'm talking like your superstar players, like your your number one player on offense, wide receiver wise. Pittman didn't produce like he did last year because Offensive you had line. all of this carousel at quarterback right. that yeah. didn't allow you to. Without question, so Jonathan Taylor. Was regardless of the, with, with regardless yeah. of the reasons, that's what happened. And I, I think Chris is sort of having to reset some things in terms of how he evolves and how he continues to adapt in this role heading into year number seven. Can I just say, though, one thing, one kind of surprise or standout or bright spot, unexpectedly so, just because you didn't know what you were getting necessarily, Zach Moss has been yeah. so impressive in the latter part. I'm really excited for him to think that he is going to be someone who can be a solid contributor within this offense moving forward. I just We didn't really know much about him when he came in, and he had to endure a lot right when he walked in the door, so many changes within the offense. Yeah. And then when you saw his just steady progression over the final quarter of the season, I'm so encouraged by by him and what he brings. And he is just one of the more physical runners that I have watch so you think about maybe the tandem of a Zach Moss Jonathan Taylor duo in the run yeah. game that that to me is something that's thunder and lightning right there. thunder and lightning hey while we're while you know we're sort of like the teachers out of the room Jeffrey's not here <laughs> to guide us he's like Zach Morris on say by the belly just like called a yeah. timeout and like yeah. thought that everything was going to freeze around well, him <laughs> I, I'm guessing I'm guessing that people who've listened to this podcast have got about 50 minutes in and been like why you guys should talk about the quarterback situation so, just a, a couple things to for, for our listeners to know here. Yesterday in the locker room, Matt Ryan talked. He said he is has not considered retiring. He's under contract. He's operating like, you know, he's under contract. And, and that's going to lead to him moving forward this offseason in a way that he has approached every offseason of his career. Um, you know, we'll kind of see where that goes. Uh, Chris Ballard today said in regards to the, the future of that position, right now the focus is on finding the next head coach. But he was asked directly, you got the number four overall pick. Would you be surprised if it was a quarterback? And he said no. And, you know, then he said, F, we earned it. 
uh, we earned that pick. Um, but he was also asked, and th- uh, this was, I think, very interesting. He was asked, if you identify the guy, you, you have conviction on one guy in this draft class, do you trade up and go get him? And Chris Ballard emphatically said yes. Yeah, that is, uh, that is on the table, and that is notable because by virtue of Sunday's result, the Houston Texans, a team that I think a lot of people assume is going to take a quarterback, no longer have the first overall pick. The Chicago Bears do. Right. The Chicago Bears have Justin Fields on their roster, so you would assume. Open for biz. Right. Although I'm sure over the next 102 days there are going to be a lot of people saying, well, maybe they could trade Justin Fields. That's going to be exhausting. I feel sorry for all my friends in Chicago who have to deal with that. I already am, to be honest with you. It's been two but, days. But there is there is the possibility that when Chris Ballard goes through the quarterbacks in this class with his, his scouting staff, and they say, hey, this guy we think is the guy in this class, and we all believe that, we are all on board with it, that uh, you know, under those circumstances, Chris Ballard could be willing to move up in the draft yeah. potentially to the first overall pick. To go get that guy, I think that is a, I think that's something we all sort of assumed could be the case. But to hear Chris emphatically say yes, that is on the table. Let speculation if, season if, if, let begin. Let it go. Let yeah. speculation season. And here's begin. here's the sound on that. This is Ballard on being willing to do whatever it takes to get the right quarterback if he's there for the franchise, and also what has stopped him from making that bold draft move for a quarterback in the recent past. Yes, I'd do whatever it takes. If we if we thought there's a player that, that we're driven to get that makes the franchise and the team better, that's what we would do. At one point we had Andrew Luck. Okay. You know, all right, so then you know you go to nineteen and then we we go to the nineteen season, um, get done with that one and we decide to go with Phillip Rivers at the time. That was a area that when we had the 13th pick and we ended up trading for Buckner, that we did have serious talk about it at the time. Um, and But at that point, we said, you know, we got a bird in hand here. We gotta, we're getting a three technique that's a really special player and fits our character profile, what we want. Um, and then in 21, we, you know, we signed Carson, you know. So the opportunity to do it probably was in 20. You know, and we made the decision with Buckner, and I don't, I don't regret that decision. Yeah, if there was a time to do it, it probably was 2020. You're sitting there at 13. You can maybe maneuver up into the top 10. So, J.J., I think all of those decisions, you can understand them in a vacuum. You can understand why they were made at the time they were made. Mm-hmm. But I think it's clear that this team right now, going into this offseason, it's, it's no longer, you could say, a quarterback away. Yeah. It was a full-team effort to get here, 4-12-1. Right, and, and thinking that the, this team was a quarterback away led the Colts down the road of veterans. It you know, led them to Phillip Rivers, and, and they got close. Uh, led them to Carson Wentz, thinking that Carson could be here for the next five, six years. Uh, you know, that, that did not work out the way the Colts expected it to. Right. And then and that's Matt Ryan, why they made that move. Yeah. Right. You know, Matt Ryan, same thing. You know, you think we're a quarterback away. We can drop this veteran into this roster with a great offensive line and, and a great running and game. And we don't have a first round draft pick. Right. And we, you yeah. Know? Right. So, so then you do those things, and it turns out y- your offensive line does not play up to their standard. Your run game is then not up to its standard. And Matt Ryan gets you know, crushed back there quite a bit. And then he turns the ball over more than I think he expected to. And now you're sitting here and yeah, you're saying we aren't just a quarterback away, but we acknowledge the position we are in the draft and the opportunity that is in front of us. 
to if we get the right quarterback and we I, we think we can get the right quarterback, this is an opportunity to go get that guy. You don't just take a quarterback because you're in the top four in the draft. That is the other thing that Chris Ballard made sure to stress here. And I know fans probably don't want to hear it, but if you just take a quarterback because, well, we need one and we're picking in the top four, and you take the wrong guy, that sets your franchise back not just one year. That sets you back five years. Mm-hmm. You you know, you, I think about a team like the New York Jets. Where <laughs> That's the exact team that came to mind. Where they, that team, that defense was awesome this year. Mm-hmm. They were a bunch of banshees out there. Sauce Gardner was like one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Garrett Wilson on offense had a great year, offensive rookie of the year type stuff. And the quarterback they drafted second overall in 2021 got benched. Like five times. Like, yeah. And they, it looks like they did not have the proper evaluation of that quarterback, Zach Wilson. And instead of having a team that's on the ascent and ready to win, they missed the playoffs. Yeah. That is the risk you take if you if you get the quarterback evaluation wrong, is you can build a great team around it, and if you're stuck with a guy you have to bench in year two, that sets you back. That really does. Well, we've talked a lot about, you know, culture. And we've talked a lot about, you know, what, what's going on behind the scenes. You know, there's there's things that happen on the field, certainly, but the, the Kayvon Thibodeau hit on Nick Foles and the lack of reaction sort of, you know, painted a picture as to where this team was and, and where it is going into the offseason. Um, I have one final clip I want to play. This was Chris Ballard today. It was towards the end of the press conference. He was talking about why the Colts culture is seemingly not where it needs to be right now. And also the team not doing a good job of, of managing expectations that you know they had for themselves and certainly the outside world had for them when Matt Ryan was traded and um, certainly a lot of hype and expectations around this team going into the season. If I had a, something we're digging through to figure out, that's something we're digging through to figure out. No, it's a fair question. Um, it's a fair question. And Everything's being blamed on when he got here. Well, ultimately, our plan from a from a roster standpoint wasn't good enough. Okay, that's one. And then I think all the change, you know, and sometimes like here's what we didn't do very good job of: we didn't manage expectations very well at all, at all. Like anytime you go. No, but that's that's like we've been so process oriented, okay? And that's who I am, who Frank was. That's who we want to be. We want to be process oriented, and with a good process, you're going to lead to a good result. Well, every time we keep going and getting these vet court, and this falls on me. This is on me. You'll get a vet court. Well, here's the expectation: we're going to Super Bowl. They got a good roster. They're going to Super Bowl. Well, there was holes in that, and. You know, our job's to fix those holes. Yeah, those holes became evident as uh, the season progressed. I mean, it started week one when you tie with the Houston Texans and you fall flat and you don't play well. And, again, that's the root to all of this. I mean, everybody said that this is a team that's later going to dethrone the Titans for the AFC South, and then you start playing games and you go from an early season favorite to a four-win team that had some epic losses a team that fired their head coach. I mean, the last two and a half months have been nuts. It's been crazy, right? So they got to get a leader of men in here as a head coach. 
Again, some really good coordinators from a technical football standpoint, and they got to get that locker room figured out as well. I don't think that it so much comes from the expectations because I think the expectation should be every year that you're winning the division. That is the expectation, that you're competitive, that you're going to the playoffs. That's what it should be when you get to training camp and everyone has so much optimism. If you're not expecting to do that, why are you here? If you're not expecting to win, if you're not willing to do what it takes to be part of building something that you know is in contention to win the division, win the conference, win a Super Bowl, what I think, it's not the expectations, it's the accountability of the guys who aren't here to do those things. And what I think is there was not enough intra-locker room accountability to hold guys to the standards of what it was going to take. Because even if there were holes in this roster, there flat out weren't guys that played up to the standard and did not play to their potential. And that is more of an issue to me than the holes in the roster. Because the holes in the roster will get addressed. I think when you look at the outcome of the season and the lack of results and the fourth quarter collapses and all of that, mm-hmm. it's straight up because there was not enough accountability there was not enough leadership there was not there weren't enough guys willing to do whatever it took for the greater good yeah I mean that's that's what it comes down to and you know I think for the, for the next stage of there this are some team. very telling interviews yeah. if you go back and listen I'm not going to call any of them out right. everyone can look at them themselves and evaluate but you mean player interviews player yeah. interviews yeah. absolutely from the players in which they said and, and this goes back to kind of what we heard Matt Ryan allude to earlier is that these are the times you find out more about guys and you either gain respect or lose respect for yep. guys mm-hmm. in situations like these and just to kind of put a bow on it um two players who I gained a lot of respect for this year among others DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart, Chris Ballard, singled them both out today and said, you wouldn't have known what our record was if you watched these guys practice, if you watched these guys play. Uh, They were both fantastic this year. DeForest Buckner was playing with a brace on his elbow pretty much all season. Didn't let it affect his play at all. Um, But, you know, I think the, the next head coach, you know, whoever it is, I think you probably need that leadership, that accountability to come from the head coach to start rebuilding this thing. Um, And that's something, you know, as as you evaluate what Jeff Saturday can bring, what some other candidates can bring, um, that's sort of where the the culture probably needs to start from the head coach. Indeed. Yeah, a lot of heavy subject matter here today as we uh, talk about the fallout from the end of the season. I don't know. I think I'm going to I'm going to skirt the random thought of the week because I am tough right here. I am having a hard time putting oh, I think it together. There's no better time for a random thought. You, know, you can't I don't just think I, I don't really think I have one though. You That's the problem. Know. I've had no time to to be random because okay. I've been so dialed into the heavy subject football matter. So perhaps we regroup and okay. get Hold ready on. for next Hold week on. unless you want to take over here. Yeah. What's the worst question you could ask in an interview to a head coaching candidate? <laughs> Oh, great. Oh, this is spontaneously awesome. Oh, wow. It's got to be like a combine question that those draft prospects get at the combine, right? Like if you were a dress, what color would you be, red or black? Like yeah. what? What does that like, even what, mean? Like that, that question that you ask because it's like, I'm going to get inside this, this person's mind. But like, do you really? Right. Like, do you build your peanut butter and jelly by <laughs> peanut butter on both sides of the bread with the jelly in the middle? Or do you go peanut butter on completely one side, jelly on the other that side? Is, like, that is a perfect yes. example yes. of that. Yeah. Do you cut in a triangle or do you uh-huh. cut halfway I've got you one. Know, I've you got know, got down one. the middle? Yeah. I've got one because of what we did with the kids the other day. What, what, do, you think, what do you think the E in Chuck E. Cheese stands for? Ooh. What do you think E and Chuck E. Cheese stands for? I think for, it's his Lara? middle initial. I think he's Charles E. Cheese. 
He's but just what, e? what does E stand for? Yeah, what does E stand for? Yeah. Is it Edward? Ezekiel. Is it Earl? Ezekiel. Edgar. Chuck Edgar Cheese. Eddie. But see, but that's like that's Maybe cheese. he's a big Edge fan. Charles Edgerin <laughs> <What>? Cheese. <laughs> that would be the local franchise here in Indianapolis, but see, right? That, that would be, okay. So, Larry, you got the job. You just named a Colts legend. You got the right. job. That's where your head's at. That would bringing also, the team back to the glory days. That yeah. would also be the yeah. worst question you could ask a head coaching candidate, right? The E and Chuck E. Cheese. And also, how old were you when you found out that it was Chuck E. Cheese and not Chuck E. Cheese? Oh, I knew that the whole time. Because I was like 32. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> oh, I, I knew that the whole time. Yeah, you just look at the sign. Drive, drive today, Casey just learned Casey that today. <laughs> Producer Casey, Casey just Chuck E. Cheese, yeah. not Chucky. Yeah. Oh, my wow. God. Driving down the other day and looked at the, looked at the sign. Oh, it's it's Chuck E. Cheese. All right, off-season plans. Lair, are you going to decompress at all? What do you got going I on here in the next God, couple of weeks? I hope so, right? Yeah, uh, yeah going to lay low. I've kind of made a promise to myself that I'm not going to take on any like extracurricular stuff throughout the month of January and just try to enjoy a little time at home and um, get back to spending a little bit more time with the fam, hopefully making some trips down to see the family, the, mm-hmm. my, my parents and sisters and niece and, and all of that. But no like major off-season plans. We will, of course, get to work for with the next pick our off-season draft series that work will start at the end of January so something for fans to look forward to it's always an incredible process to be a part of we we love being able to bring that production to life so that's certainly yep. something what work-wise a, what a year to do it too fourth yeah. overall pick you might have something to talk about Pretty good Maybe. yeah, yeah. Be interesting JJ you uh, taking any vacay uh eventually right now we're potty training our twins and oh you can uh, do that on the road <laughs> No. You can do that. Come on. No. You can multitask uh, a little bit. Get a vacation I, home down I'm very, in Florida. I'm very, I'm very proud of Henry. He's got it down already. Charlie, we're working on. He'll get there. Yeah. But um, that is, we're we're doing the, the like the no clothes weekend, which is a thing that I didn't learn I about do that until I became weekend. a parent. <laughs> do you? Happy as, Friday. As long as long as everything winds up in the potty, you know, let's who can do whatever you want. Uh, Holy we're, my. We got we got to do that thing. Damn. Which is, yeah. So there's just gonna be it's gonna be a, a there's long, gonna be blank everywhere. It's gonna be a long weekend in the Stankovitz household. But hopefully it after that, it will literally be the Stankovitz household. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Be washing the we, walls. We, oh my god, it's gonna be. <laughs> I already had to already had to take a hose to one of their high chairs. We well, don't need, good we luck, need to get into the nitty gritty of that. Yeah. Hey, Mate, what do you got? Good. What's on deck for you? Uh, nothing. Watching 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 college basketball and and hanging out with the two year old as he continues to dominate me as he okay, always does. One one random thought as we're wrapping things up. Yeah. So I was I got so excited last night because I was watching the national championship, not because of the national championship, but while watching it, they were promoting the slate of games for Wild Card Weekend. Is there a better weekend sports viewing, football viewing of the year than the one no. we have upcoming to look card, forward no. to? No. All day and, Saturday, all day Sunday. And then Monday also, night. Get, get rid and of then the, Monday get, night. Nah, get rid of the okay. Monday night. What are your no, plans? What is your ideal viewing situation for that? Because mine, hands down, Ale Emporium is actually, the perfect way to do it. A fresh plate of Hermanakis in front of me. That is what I am signing up for, I, for Super Wild Card. I, I do actually know where I'm going to be on Saturday. I'm going I'm to be at Knicks watching IU play. At one, at one o'clock, and then watching a boatload of football after that. Welcome back, Jeffrey. Farrell, Dan. I, I had beans cooking today, okay, <laughs> on the stove. Before we started this. Set it at 4.50. So I had to go check them out and run out and then. But that's the fun of this podcast. And that, that, would actually be, that would actually be one of the worst questions you could ask a coach in an interview. What kind of beans are you making? Pinto, yeah. black, red, what? kidney, lima. You, you missed a lot, Jeff. I know you we did. A lot. But I'll be able to talk about what I was doing and where I was at mm-hmm. probably two podcasts from now, which great. will be great. It'll that, make, 
perfect. make for great listening. It'll but I'm glad perfect. to be back, guys, and sorry about the speed bump. <laughs> you got it. All right. Well, you want me to close it out, or do you want to say goodbye? Well, I want to say goodbye. Yeah, you to say everybody. goodbye. You I say didn't goodbye. even get your random thought of the week. I, you know, I like to comment. Yeah, I, on I that. really, I didn't come prepared for that. You didn't come prepared because the the, the football subject matter was pretty heavy. Okay. Well, if but you we s- had fun. Here's my random thought of the week, and Larry knows what I'm talking about. If you see an owl out in the wilderness, <laughs> it's like seeing a unicorn. So you're blessed. If you see an owl, listen to what I'm saying. An owl. You don't see a lot of them in your neighborhood, in your backyard, in the shed, anything. I don't care if you live at Eagle Creek. You don't see a lot of owls. So when you do, mark it down, say thanks to the heavens above. And hey, like I said, it's like seeing a unicorn. Hashtag blessed, baby. That's my take. This is the Colts official podcast presented by <laughs> WinBet. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. JJ Stankovitz from Colts.com, the senior writer and the face and then also a voice of the Colts. Miss Latte Lara Overton. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the last time I'll call you that. But when it's I see okay. you coming walking in with a mug, I think you got something nice and warm underneath the hood there. I do. Got I do. Something absolutely. Brewing. Okay. And a little afternoon pick-me-up. And Mayte, shut up. When I walked in, just shut up. Gotcha. Will you please? No. Why? Not Monday night. We don't want that. Get out of here, you traditionalist. You're going to love Monday that Monday night. night game. You're saying, no, no Monday oh, night yeah, playoff no, Get the Monday night out no, of here. No, you're get crazy. Get the Monday night out and of here. By the way, the best week of football or the best weekend of football? Or the best day of football in the year is not Super Bowl Sunday. It is the conference championship Sunday. Three, oh, yeah. Three mm-hmm. o'clock kick, six no, o'clock give kick. No, give me You're me done qu- by no. about 9.30. You see him ta- hoisting a trophy, getting ready to go no. on to the Super Bowl. That is the best no, day Give me for quantity. Me. Give me quantity. All right. I enjoyed it. I was only here for a cup of coffee. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the short time that I you was here, guys, I appreciate uh, you letting me do that and everything. Like I said, the beans are not burning right now. So Thank I'll God. have that story in a couple of weeks. Again, for JJ, for Matt, for Lara, Jeffrey Gorman, the official Colts podcast brought to you by our friends at WinBet. A lot going to happen this offseason. A lot has happened this regular season. We're going to be here to guide you through that. You can find out everything, what you want, always on Colts.com and check out our audio network. For Matt Taylor, J.J. Stankovic, Lara Overton, my name is Gorman. We'll talk to you next time.